Nobody cares. I don't care. You don't care. Nobody cares. This show's about as interesting as Mark Shot reading excerpts from Lion Talk. I tried to apologize. The monster in Japan. Maybe the not so man. Oh, no. I know Eric Bishop, and y'all know Eric Bishop. Somebody holler pyro or something. Somebody go get me a bucket. I appreciate your concern, Deborah McMichael. You look just terrific tonight. You got the wrong bicycle show. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. We're unified as a unit. You will have to depend on the pen for the rest of your life. Perhaps. Hello Nitro Maniacs and welcome to another episode of Nitro Mania. My name is Adam, I am your host and this is the show where halfway through someone else will take over and make it completely terrible. This is the 55th episode of Nitro Mania, ignore what I numbered as the episode title on Potomatic last week, meaning if each episode was a U.S. gallon, they could now fill a standard shipping drum. Before we get to things this week, I heard from a friend of the show and friend of many other shows, Philip Goad, via Twitter uh, over the last week, who had some input on the debut of Vincent on the last episode of Nitro. Philip says, quote, As Vincent has now joined the timeline, I thought it would be appropriate to mention this. On Godfather's photo shoot episode, he mentioned he had verbal... um, As Vincent has now joined the timeline, I thought it would be appropriate to mention this. On Godfather's photo shoot episode, he mentioned he had a verbal agreement to come in as the bodyguard, then they stopped returning his calls, and then he saw Virgil show up, unquote. Well... Let's take that directly from the horse's mouth, shall we? My man, Lonely Virgil. NWO. Oh, I remember the NWO. My contract was coming up, and I was in negotiations with WCW coming into the NWO as their bodyguard. And we had arranged a verbal contract, the prices over a three-year deal, and then I didn't hear from them. And then I called the people that I needed to talk to, and they weren't returning my calls. And then I'm watching the show one day, and I see Virgil come out as the bodyguard of the NWO. Big welcome, if you will. A name very familiar to wrestling fans. Bring him out. Get him out. Teddy, where's Get Vincent? Get off me. Bring Vincent. Here he comes. Hey, Vincent. Come on, buddy. What is that? Who is hey, piss off. Hey, babe, welcome aboard. Why so worried? Don't worry, these checks keep never an eye, Keep an eye on him, brother. I would assume that somebody in the NWO probably said, hey, we can get Virgil a lot cheaper than he's known as a bodyguard. So Virgil went there a lot cheaper than what I was going to go there for. So I don't really have good feelings over that at all. But because of that, the Godfather was born. So it's even better. But uh, I'm not mad at Virgil. You know, Virgil's Virgil. I'm sure Ted's more mad at Virgil than I am. (laughs) So there you have it. This does raise some interesting questions, like would he have shown up on Nitro in the Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine gimmick? Kama hadn't been with the WBF since the 1996 Royal Rumble nine months ago at this point, though, to be fair, Virgil hadn't been in the WWF since the summer of 94, before Nitro even started airing. 
All right, let's uh, go to the ultimate source of truth and wisdom, Wikipedia. Quote, shortly after leaving, Wright had verbally agreed to join World Championship Wrestling to serve as the enforcer for the New World Order, but then mysteriously never heard from WCW afterwards. Wright then learned that WCW signed Virgil to be the NW's enforcer by watching WCW Monday Nitro at home with his wife and that they had signed him for far less than what they offered Wright. Wright stated that while he was bitter by this episode, it allowed him to create the Godfather character, and as a result, was one of the few WWF talents that stay loyal to the company during the Monday Night Wars. Unquote. Uh, basically what we just heard. So... So there you have it. The NWO enforcer role was almost played by Kama, the supreme fighting machine. But thanks to Virgil's desperate need for money, we got the Godfather instead. I will gladly take that trade off. Last week on the show, Macho Man was the only WCW superstar who cared enough about the company to cancel his trip to Japan, and as a reward for his loyalty, he got the absolute shit kicked out of him, and then the NWO took over Nitro, and it was pretty awful. This week, we are live from the CSU Convocation Center in Cleveland, Ohio. The last time we were here was episode 30, which you may remember as being the night Lex Luger camped outside the arena to avoid missing his world title shot against Ric Flair. Yep. So, let's dive in. It is Monday, September 30th, 1996, and we open with Tony screaming, Larry makes me laugh almost immediately. It still makes me laugh, just the way Tony just completely fucking shuts down Larry there. Not at all! Tony freely admits that last week was the worst episode of Nitro in history, and then reminds us why. Tony sends us to the broadcast booth for Eric Bischoff to make a statement. Bischoff gives an impassioned monologue about the history of the business, how much he regrets signing Hulk Hogan, and then at the end the crowd starts chanting, NWO. Nice. Your opening contest this week is a match for the tag team titles El Tecnico and Juventud Guerrera taking on Public Enemy. El Tecnico is, and I swear I am not making this up, Billy Kidman in a red bodysuit and a half-red, half-green luchador mask. Call me crazy, but I don't think the titles are changing hands tonight. Public Enemy are accompanied to the ring by their manager, Table. Larry again repeats his loophole theory that the Table isn't a foreign object as long as it remains outside the ring. This theory is still stupid. Guerrera gets backdropped out of the ring, then Rocco twists El Tecnico's mask around to confuse him. Public Enemy retain the titles following a springboard double-team senton. Shocking. They then put El Tecnico through a table because fuck you, that's why. Somehow, the table splits perfectly down the middle. Public enemy head through the crowd. Johnny Grunge looks extremely annoyed at having to be touched by WCW fans. Dean Malenko sends us to commercial. Jim Duggan tries to sell us a WCW Where the Big Boys Play t-shirt. Back to the arena and back to the locker room set at CNN Center in Atlanta last Friday. Mike Tanay is with Benoit and McMichael. Tanay points out that Mongo isn't even scheduled to wrestle tonight, thankfully. Mongo then rants about the horsemen operating as a unit. 
Deborah drones on about team players. Benoit has a match against Rick Steiner in Hour 2 tonight. He promises victory. Tanae then sends us back to commercial. It's an NWO spot, but now WCW is paying for it because War Games. Hogan has Nick on his lap. They talk about a whole lot of nothing. Apparently, this is a live spot as Nash talks about watching Mongo on TV just now. Enter Dean Malenko, who has Mysterio's mask. Apparently, he stole the mask on WCW Saturday night last week. Something sounds awfully familiar about that. Dean is facing off against Alex Wright tonight. Tony, knowing that the NWO is watching, calls them all pussies for being at a hotel instead of trying to storm the arena. Tony is a moron. Dean is firmly in control as we go to commercial. Oh, Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend Menchi? And I guess I'm here too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese. A podcast for three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink too? Not a little bit. I do. <laughs> Alex Wright tries to make a comeback. One thing I always loved about Dean Malenko was when he would take a backdrop or a hip toss, he would always wait until the very last moment to actually do the flip. It always looked cool to me. Alex Wright ends up getting the fluke victory by avoiding a dive by Malenko and then rolling him up in a cradle for three. Tony and Larry are in shock. This is your Pep Boys power pin of the week. We go back to Saturday night for Macho Man versus Big Bubba, it looks like. He chucked Mark Curtis out of the ring and then beat up Nick Patrick as Miss Elizabeth looked on. Back to the arena and Tanae welcomes Savage to the aisle, except that he doesn't come out. Huh. Eddie Guerrero sends us to break. We got a Macho Man ad for Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc Snap to Win Sweepstakes. Macho says twice that you can win a monster truck, but then they just show a pickup truck with big wheels and Slim Jim logos on the side. Then Ric Flair appears out of nowhere. I'm guessing that was the entire ad break. It was literally five minutes long. Enter Jim Powers and Teddy Long when we come back. The NWO placards in the crowd have returned. Enter Eddie as they talk about how focused he is on taking on DDP at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc on October 27th in Las Vegas and trying to regain the Lord of the Rings ring that he never actually won in the first place. Nick Patrick is wearing a neck brace. Matt Gaffari is in the crowd again. Spoiler alert, they never actually end up signing him. Also at Halloween Havoc, Public Enemy defend the tag titles against the Outsiders, Ric Flair defends the U.S. title against the Giant, and as already announced, Hogan defends the heavyweight title against Savage. So I think we can all see at this point how Halloween Havoc ends. Powers is almost dominating Guerrero here. Eddie is getting some offense in, but it only lasts a moment each time before Powers goes back in control. Someone fucks up the finish as Nick Patrick counts three on a German suplex and no one seems to know what's going on. Teddy and Nick Patrick argue loudly on camera. Patrick challenges Teddy to become a referee, and now we all know where it started. By the way, Nick Patrick named Eddie Guerrero the winner of that match, to everyone's dismay. Well, at least to Teddy Long's dismay. Another paid announcement by the NWO, and they celebrate seeing themselves on TV like that's never happened before. Then the Nasty Boys show up. Nick is wearing a Halloween mask for some reason. Room service arrives. It's just a big party, apparently. Kevin Nash is wearing glasses. He looks like a middle school principal. This is not great. 
This Saturday night, the Rock and Roll Express against Benoit Mongo, Harlem Heat versus Public Enemy, Jim Powers versus Disco Inferno, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and more. Back to Friday afternoon on a soundstage in Atlanta. Tanae is with Arn, Woman, and Elizabeth. Arn wants to know why the hell Elizabeth is worried about Savage when she's a horseman. She needs to know her place, basically. Woman and Elizabeth then argue, in terms of acting, this actually isn't that bad. This is the best, I think, that I've seen from Liz up to this point. Anderson confirms he has a match with a fine young talent coming up soon and Luger at Halloween Havoc for some reason. Back to the arena, enter Hugh Morris. He is taking on Brad Armstrong in his patriotic jacket. The dynamite begins as the match begins. I was honestly hoping that the match would end before the dynamite. Needless pyro as we go to hour two and Eric welcomes us in. We're still concerned about where Macho Man is. Why do I get the feeling we'll be seeing him later in a paid NWO announcement? Bischoff doesn't believe that the Nasty Boys are part of the NWO, but that they're being used by the NWO. For what? Lord knows. A pair of big moonsaults ends things for Brad Armstrong. Backstage, Arn Anderson and Woman continue to yell at Elizabeth. Back from break, and Bischoff immediately pieces out. Couldn't do that during the break? Bischoff apparently wants to find out where the NWO is, and also where Savage is. Again? I think those will have the same address. Enter Chris Jericho. He is taking on Arn Anderson tonight. This should be pretty good. Anderson then enters without Elizabeth, and the dude on nameplates is quick because it just says, with woman. Shivani then shows up to take over commentary. We then see that Elizabeth is watching from backstage. Arn wins by avoiding a lion salt and hitting the DDT for the pinfall. Good stuff here. Another paid NWO announcement. This is the t-shirt ad, though, so it doesn't have that annoying not anymore <laughs> by Hogan after the paid announcement voiceover back to the desk. Tony runs down what we've got left tonight, including a must see tag match featuring the rock and roll express backstage. Elizabeth leaves enter M wall street. He is losing to Lex Luger tonight, man with the disappearance of macho man. We really don't have any sound clips tonight, do we? Wall Street locks Luger in an abdominal stretch and uses the ropes for leverage, but since he's so close to the ropes, it really doesn't look like it's making any kind of difference. Wall Street submits to the torture rack, Jimmy Hart, and the faces of fear send us to break. I'm pro wrestler the Kingpin Brian Malonis. And I'm referee Mike Crockett from the wrestling podcast about nothing. I spent most of my weekends half naked in front of throngs of people at VFW halls and Elks Lodges. And I've watched. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Every week, listen to us tear down the curtain and tear down each other in the process. It's the WPAN. Nothing more, nothing less. New episodes Mondays on your favorite podcast app or on our website, thewpan.com. Back to the desk, Tony says it takes a big man and a big company to admit when it's wrong. We then cover the betrayal of Sting. In an attempt to make amends, WCW has repainted the WCW race car to be Sting-themed. Quite the apology. Enter the faces of fear. They are taking on the Rock and Roll Express. The best part of this match is Bobby Heenan making Tony laugh with jokes at Hogan's expense. Somehow... Ricky Morton keeps kicking out of shit. It's quite annoying. Faces of Fear win. Does anybody care? Public Enemy come out to fight with the Faces of Fear, and they get their asses kicked. Your tag team champs, everybody. Another paid announcement from the NWO with Hogan's annoying addendum. Kyle Petty has arrived. The Dom Perignon will be here soon. These are getting quite annoying. Nobbs literally spends this entire segment stuffing cookies into his face. 
Enter Mongo and Deborah Benoit trailing behind them. There is a red carpet laid out for some reason. As mentioned before, he is facing Rick Steiner. Nick Patrick then cuts a promo to the ringside camera about working hurt. The match quickly becomes a slugfest until Steiner grabs Benoit and just hurls him across the ring and out. Deborah distracts Nick Patrick so Mongo can clock Steiner in the back with the briefcase. Benoit wins by pinfall. This match was okay, but shorter than expected. Tony then signs off, but first, one last announcement from the NWO. Elizabeth is on the couch with Hogan and Giant Random. Vincent shows up with a gift-wrapped package and they tell him to fuck off. Hogan then takes the present, but the camera follows Elizabeth out into the hall where Macho shows up. He starts screaming at her. Here. interesting and not at all completely confusing also i hope you enjoyed the hogan addendum now imagine hearing that at the beginning and the end of every single one of the nwo segments tonight except the t-shirt commercial awful i really really hate the nwo this week because they're making me feel bad For people in Cleveland. All the Cleveland fans got was people in the crowd marching with signs. Remember, Nitro doesn't have any kind of screen. So I guarantee that the Cleveland crowd could not see the hotel segments. All they got was a straight-up Nitro episode with a no-showing Macho Man, an obviously pointless tag title match, and the Rock and Roll Express. If there's one saving grace tonight... It's that Jim Duggan didn't make an appearance. As for the NWO segments themselves, I did not find them entertaining. It was just them sitting in a hotel suite, talking about how awesome they are, and eating. Not exactly riveting television. Cage Match agrees. This episode of Nitro is currently sitting at a 4.56 out of 10. It is the worst rating since June 24th, which got a 3.5, and the show pulled into TV rating of 3.3. If you watch anything tonight, I would recommend either Chris Jericho versus Arn Anderson or Dean Malenko versus Alex Wright. Meanwhile, over on the USA Network, we are one week old from Hershey, Pennsylvania with Monday Night Raw episode 178. Stone Cold Steve Austin defeats Jake Roberts. Mankind and Paul Bearer scream in a graveyard again. Hunter Hearst Helmsley storms the ring to yell at Mr. Perfect. The Godwins and a goat defeat the Grim Twins, Jacob and Eli Blue, Skull and Eight Ball, whatever you want to call them. We learn that the roadie is the real Double J. 
Savio Vega defeats Razor Ramon by disqualification thanks to interference from Diesel while JR and Gorilla Monsoon bicker like children at ringside. The Undertaker then talks in a graveyard again. Vader and Jim Cornette defeat Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario by pinfall. This episode of Raw has a 3.2 out of 10 on Cage Match and garnered a 2.3 TV rating. Now, I asked on Twitter, tagging both Jeff Jarrett and the Road Dog, if the rehearsal footage, quote-unquote, used in this episode to reveal the roadie as the real Double J was actually rehearsal footage, or if it was filmed just for this. Jeff has not yet responded, but the Road Dog chimed in, replying, quote, I don't remember, lol, I was young and needed the money, unquote. So there you go. Thanks, Road Dog. Elsewhere, on September 30th, 1996, it would have been Chris Von Erich's 27th birthday, and that's really it. Let's hop back to 2018 so I can tell you once again that your last chance to see me live and in person this year is coming up on December 22nd at the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts, with Liberty States Wrestling Holiday Havoc. If you'd like to help us pay for things, you may do so by making a one-time donation at paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or become a monthly donor at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Crapshoot episode two coming soon, hopefully. Please be sure to listen to all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network and visit questendnetwork.com, as well as all the shows here on the Rundown feed. I do hope you're enjoying uh, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, the new show by Jeff. I know I am. Send your feedback to me at NitromaniaPod on Twitter or by email, NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. I want to thank everyone who took the rundown survey last week. Speaking of Twitter and speaking of the shows on the network, we got some good feedback there. Uh, And on that note, that is it for Nitromania for this week. I thank you for listening. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk at you next time right here on Nitromania.